Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is making fashion simple and easy for you to uh, not only get your hands on but affordable to do so as well all it takes is three easy steps just go on to mercurymile.com create a profile list your sizes and your preferences and then you will get a curated box of goodies sent to you and you'll be able to choose what you like and send back what you don't so mercury mile has been sponsoring this show for a long time. I couldn't be more grateful to them. And they've always hooked us up with a nice little code, RamblingRunner10. You put that in at checkout, you save 10 bucks on your stylus fee. The stylus fee is usually 20 bucks. So basically how it works is you use the, the promo code, you save 10 bucks. You spend $10 to get this unbelievable box sent to you. It's not a subscription service. You only get it when you ask for it. And then you're going to get a bunch of good things. I usually keep about half the stuff in the box. Um, not that, I mean, it's all good stuff, but sometimes, you know, it's like, you know, all right, these sunglasses aren't really my, you know, my favorite color or whatever. You send those back, but you might like a shirt or some pants. Anyway, I keep about half the stuff in the box and it's always very reasonably priced. And really all you're losing, if say you sent back every single thing in the box, which you won't, but say you did, you still would have only spent 10 bucks to get it in the first place. So you really aren't losing a thing and you're gaining all this time think about the time you would spend searching for this stuff you went driving around so anyway mercurymile.com use rambling runner 10 at checkout you will be glad you did so today's episode is with my friend ken devines so kendall devines he is just an extraordinary person so ken uh moved to the u.s from trinidad tobago he is a doctor now he lives in the new york city area and he is one heck of an athlete let's make make no mistake he is one heck of an athlete very strong individual a really good runner but i'll tell you what if you had known him 18 months ago this is not what you would be saying kendall has lost about a hundred pounds in the last 18 months and he looks great he's running great but you know when you have that kind of lifestyle personal change there's usually that goes a lot that goes into it there's a lot of history there to overcome there's a reason that he got up to 275 pounds we dive into that we dive into why he made that that life switch and why it stuck because hey we all make those decisions right we all want to change this or that about our lives and at least speaking from experience, I can say that more often than not, I might have made those decisions and sworn up and down that I was going to do them. And then two weeks later, I just revert right back to where I was. But Ken made it stick, and he's doing a wonderful job. He just ran his first race recently, and I'll let him talk about that experience. But we're going to hear a lot more from Ken in the near future, um, not just on this show, but in terms of his successes as a runner. So I'm not going to tell you any more about this episode i'm just gonna let you dive in with my man ken devines hello ken and welcome to the rambling runner podcast hi matt thank you for having me it's my pleasure thank you so much for coming on this is going to be great i'll tell you i was so excited for you a couple weeks ago you ran first 5k the bedsty 5k in New York, and you killed it! Congratulations! Yeah, I was I was pretty um, surprised at my effort myself. You know, it, it was my first official race. I've been 
I haven't been running that long, but um, I decided to put myself out there for my first race. And surprise, surprise, I, I, I did well. You sure did. So tell the people what the stats were. How did you finish? Um, out of 350, approximately 350 participants, I finished uh, in 21st place, which to me felt like first place. Um, <laughs> and I finished with um, a 640 uh, pace. And that, to me, that was my first time actually running outside at that pace and I was pretty surprised I was pretty impressed I was happy I was super tired at the end I was so winded but you know it's a sign of things to come and I was really excited yeah I can imagine well shoot 5ks are tough right it's like at the end you're just dying definitely (laughs) it is quite an experience and um I have bad news on that front it's gonna hurt like that every time so so I've been told so I've been told (laughs) so so I know you You'll, you'll keep getting faster, but the pain's going to pretty much... Yeah, some pain. people who were, um, who were kind enough to comment uh, under my post and, you know, congratulate me on my first effort and, and placing and, and actually running a good time like that. You know, they were kind enough to encourage me to be like, now is, now is the time to keep going at it, you know? And now since you... I finished at about 21 minutes... 50 20 minutes 50 seconds i think and they were like yeah so now you're gonna shoot for a sub 20 but guess what it's, it's gonna hurt just like that the next time you run a race so they, they already prepped me for it and i i i just look forward to it <laughs> there you go see it's a sign of things to come you're just gonna keep pushing and keep pushing and in this race because it was the first time you've ever done anything like that and we'll talk about you know your indoor your indoor practicing habits um sorry if you hear that in the background all of a sudden things just fell off my my daughter's um toy chest which is like right next to me so if you heard that that's what that is um so how did you know how to pace yourself for this race considering that it was your first one well i'll be honest with you i I want I watch a lot of runners on Instagram. If you if I scroll through or if you were to pick up my phone and scroll scroll through my Instagram feed, about 75% of what you would see popping up would be um things related to running, short distances, longer distances. So I watch a lot of videos and I see people um like I try to mimic some of the stuff that I see, but at the same time I don't want to bite off more than I can chew is an expression I would, uh, that I would like to use. So when you say that you didn't want to bite off more that you can chew, what did that mean for like the first mile or so of the race? Like, how did you want to enter the race in terms of how fast you wanted to go just from the start? Well, basically when I saw, as I, as I mentioned before, I was on, I was on the starting line. So I saw some people, who were there who went extremely fast at the at the whistle or at the gun and I was like in my mind I was like I wonder if I can keep up with them but at the same time I was telling myself I'm like Kendall you have no idea of the training level the pace level or just the sheer power that these individuals have so there's no need to try to match yourself against these people and then you blow all your energy in the first mile. So it was more about 
um, running my own race and keeping up with my own idea of what I want to do for my first race. And so I had to just um, shy away from the idea of trying to like race with other individuals and, and for my first race, just race against myself, you know? So did you have a watch that you were looking at during the race? Basically, yes, I did. So I, I, when I got into my whole fitness journey, I had a Samsung Gear S2. And eventually, like I told you, if you look at my Instagram feed, um, 75% of what I, sc- what I scroll through would be um, uh, runners' uh, profiles. And so I said, the, the Gear S2, as good a watch as it is, I, I decided to upgrade eventually. And I went and I got a Garmin watch. And so... Um, the numbers that I, I started seeing on those watches on on that watch really helped kept me accountable in terms of like my step count, um, the amount of miles that I completed, uh, the more practical uh, numbers, not so much like my VO2 max and all these these crazy numbers that I had no idea what those things meant at that time. So um, when I started running, I realized uh, at that particular 5K. Um, after about the first half mile, I started seeing that my, my pace was under seven, seven minute mile. And I was like, hmm, okay, I, I think I can keep up with this. And I, I went out. My first, my first mile ended up being like a 728 mile. My, uh, sorry, a 628 mile. Um, I really felt it after that, though. So I, I decided to dial it back a little bit because I didn't want to like completely shut down. <laughs> I've been there, my man. That's like the story of every 5K I've ever run. Yeah. <laughs> so so after you got to that point, you right, so you got to the you know, the, the first mile and you had to you you were going pretty hard at that point, you start feeling it. And uh do you start dialing it back there or did you start just kind of like easing back a little bit or did you like really kind of bring it back pretty forcibly um at that mile mark? After the mile mark, I started to dial it back a little bit. So I, I kept glancing at my watch um, and I kept seeing that it was saying like about 6.30. Then it was going up to about 6.35, 6.40. And then I started to hover around the 6.40 mark. Um, in the second mile, there was a bit of a climb. And um, going at that hard a pace for me, um, into a climb... It was the first time experiencing something like that for me. So my my second mile ended up being, even though I tried to dial it back, it ended up being like a 650-something mile um, because of the climb. But at the same time, I was still happy with that. And um, I was able to, in the in the final mile, I was able to cut back on it a little bit as well and, and go back down into the 640 pace. Um, and that helped me out. And then you finish sub 21 first 5k. That's amazing. That yeah. really is. And a lot of people look to try to get that at any point in their life. The fact that you as a late kind of a late comer to the running game, were able to do that the first race. That really is incredible. And when you say that you're new to running, what is, I know, I know what that means, but what exactly does that mean for the people who maybe don't know your bio? Um, well, for me, let, let me say let me say what that meant for me initially. When I when I when I saw my watch after and I saw the clock after, I was like, 
if this is what I do for my first 5K, uh, have I set this, the bar too high for myself now that I've, I've run this, now that I've um, completed my first race? So in subsequent 5Ks, do I have to now come and do better on, on this? And then I, I had to like have a little pep talk with myself that, you know, every race is different. Every course is different. And it's not about... I mean, eventually it might be about that, like setting PRs. But for, for me right now, it's not about that. It's about going out there and doing something that I love. And um, yeah, it, 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 what it says for other people as well is that, uh, listen, it doesn't matter what time you start in this journey, um, be it weight loss, be it weight maintenance or whatever it is, um, Running is something that once you start and you're committed to it, you're going to love it. Um, barring injuries and barring um, any unforeseen circumstances, uh, when you get into it, uh, it is definitely doable. And when you see the results, when you feel the results of how empowering it could be and how much benefits there are to it, you, you, you don't want to stop. And that's it for me, and that's my message to anybody who's now getting into running. I'm I'm 32 years old right now, and I'm like, I just started. So, like, it's definitely doable. It sure is. You're a testament to it. So why did you start, and when did you start? So uh, I'll have to take this back to maybe about two years ago. I was at my heaviest weight. Uh, I was about 275 pounds. Um, and in addition to that, I had the effects of um, of what obesity usually brings on. I had high blood pressure. Um, if anybody who is listening to this podcast knows about those two numbers, systolic over diastolic. Um, systolic is the top number and my systolic was in the 190s and my diastolic was in the high 80s to low 90s and that's for a 32 year old that's pretty bad you know Um, my blood pressure was was telling and I was on two blood pressure medications uh, lisinopril and amlodipine daily Um, and at at 32 years old nobody wants well at 30 years old at that point in time nobody wants to be popping pills for their blood pressure you know Um, and not only that I felt it in all my joints you know I especially my my weight bearing joints my knees my ankles my hips they they didn't feel good it didn't feel good and eventually at that point in time, I was in medical school and I was transitioning into um, what what is known as basic sciences, which is like the theory part of medicine. And I was transi- transitioning into the clinical years and we had to do blood work to be able to come to do clinical work in the hospitals in the United States. And I did a test that usually tells you it's called an HbA1c and basically it, it tells you about your your blood sugar control over the last three months. It's just a predictor. And my number was in the pre-diabetic range. And to me, the totality of those things was a bit scary to me. Like my blood pressure is out of whack. I'm borderline diabetic, soon to be diabetic. Um, my body felt 
Not really, as I should be at 30 years old. And I was overweight um, in the obesity. My BMI was like in the high 30s, bordering on the 40s. And, um, and I'm studying medicine and I'm about to join a field that should be telling people about health and wellness and treating a patient and I myself so I decided to make a change you know it sounds very cliched but I I wanted something different for myself eventually and I started with the treadmill I started walking on the treadmill it was tough it was (laughs) it was tough you know I, I I started on a treadmill daily um walking on the treadmill and then eventually I started to crank the incline up um eventually I started to crank the speed up um and over a period of like six to eight months eventually that walking on the treadmill on an incline um translated into hmm a question could I run (laughs) on on this treadmill now do do I think now all this time I've been noticing uh, subtle changes in my body, um, in my in my figure, in my in my body habitus. I started to notice subtle changes, and those subtle changes started to turn into pretty obvious changes. Like you know, I am losing weight. You know, <laughs> I am I'm coming down. And I said, you know what? Maybe since some of the weight and the pressure is off of my joints, let me try running on this treadmill. And surprise, surprise, I was able to run at 5.5 miles per hour on the treadmill for 10 minutes. Never happened in my life before I was blown away. I was like, did did this just happen? So, like, I started to take it in 5 and 10 minute chunks. I, I would still walk on the treadmill for, like, an extended period of time. Um, the studies around... Um, diabetes prevention and heart heart disease prevention speaks about um, trying to get 150 minutes of moderate intensity activity for the week, a minimum of 150 minutes moderate intensity activity. And I would, I would meet that 150 minutes almost every day because I would walk on the treadmill and then I would start to add a five minute run session at five miles per hour, 5.5 miles per hour. And then I would over about a two-week to three-week period, I would increase that five minutes to 10 minutes and so on and so on. And it, it just led to me starting to follow other people and their weight loss journeys on Instagram. And then I started to follow runners on Instagram. And I was like, mm, interesting. I, I I wonder. And and so said, so done. I started to do things like I changed my... um my fitness tracker. So I changed from the Samsung Gear S2 to a Garmin watch. I started to buy some running shorts. I bought some running sneakers, some proper running sneakers. And I said, eventually, I'm like, I'm going to try to graduate and I'm going to step outside. I'm going to take this from the treadmill to the streets. And I ran my first few miles outdoors and it felt, it was like like saying it now to you it it sounds it sounds so far fetched now but like the first time i ran outside i i actually i actually wanted to cry because <laughs> i i saw 
myself, I saw my older self, my 275-pound self, um, struggling on the treadmill, and then I'm seeing myself at the end of a run now, all dripping in sweat, saying, "Did I just? Did I just do this? Is this? Is this?" And I, I, I and I'm saying to myself, "This is a huge accomplishment," and I'm, I'm, I was pretty proud of myself. Not often do I say that, but I was really proud of myself. Oh man, I just have a huge smile on my face just hearing that story. That really is remarkable, and I can say I can envision you finishing up that run outside and just like the like the the joy on your face. Right? I can just like picture it the way you told that story. It really is uh, remarkable. And you know, you 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 spoke about you know, the transition from all right. You made that you had that line in the sand. You said okay. I'm I'm going to be a different person with my body now, and then you did it. You were able to 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 fulfill what you set out to do. Now, were you always kind of a bigger guy, even as a, even as a little kid, or were you were you did you used to be athletic? I know you said you you lived in Trinidad and Tobago for most of your life. Were you did you used to be athletic and then kind of let it slip a little bit, or what was your body composition like when you were younger? Well, to be honest. As a baby, I was a big baby. So I was a nine-pound baby. So I was pretty big. <laughs> um, and growing up, I think I was always a, a chubby baby, a roundish boy. Um, and then when I got into secondary school or what we what we would call high school up here, um, I started to do... Um, field events in track and field. So I did javelin, I did shot put. And usually those are still some of the more, those are some of the more um, solid, um, stocky guys who, who do those field events. So I was, I was never, never really like a lean um, athletic type, basically, in terms of running. You know, I was always more in terms of like strength activities, um, javelin, shot put. Um, even the occasional discus I would I would do in high school, um, but coming out of that, I I didn't really stick with with field events for long. Maybe I did it for two years, and then straight out of high school, uh, I went, I got a job, and I pretty much the the busy schedule of 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 work 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 work. I, I sort of let myself go. So I, I put I put some pounds on. <laughs> Interesting. So when you finally decided to run outside, was that because of weather or was it about just building confidence in yourself and your athletic ability? And it's interesting that you that you mentioned that and you asked about the weather because when I started to run outside it was already no this is in new york and when i started to run outside this was middle of november early december so a couple of my runs was actually in the snow and that was that was even more um compelling and that was even more um empowering to me because i remember going running up on the the running path and bike path on the west side of Manhattan. And this particular evening, it was it was really snowing. It was coming down. And I think the high point of that run was me going up 
the west side heading towards like in any direction of the Bronx. Bronx. And this runner coming in the opposite direction and we're all layered up and we're running and he all he did to me was like he put out his hand in like the gesture of a high five now now to me i i i didn't even know what it meant at that time but i i i reciprocated and i gave him the high five as well and and that was it and that that's all that we did in passing each other and and that was it and to me by the time i got back home I interpreted that in so many ways. It it said to me, hey, you're out here doing this too when everybody else or most people, because there were there are a few other runners out there, but he said, hey, it said to me, hey, you're out here getting it when, you know, you could be inside under your sheets. Congrats to you. Kudos to you for, for, for braving the temperature and, and coming out here and get it. It meant to me, it meant to me so many different things that next time that I knew it was snowing and that I knew that I wanted to run. And of course, I would do it within reason and within caution as well, too. I, I wouldn't just go and try to run in a blizzard. But at the same time, um, I saw it as an opportunity to not make any excuses and to go out there and, and get it done. Um, responsibly, of course, to anybody listening. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to be irresponsible and just go and and suffer from hypothermia or something. <laughs> it, it's, it is funny. I, I have the exact same experience. I know a lot of other people do too about going out and having that run in crazy conditions, whether it's super cold or super hot, and there's that that brotherhood. Oh, you're right. That you have with those other runners, because like, hey, we're out here braving the elements, and we're all in it together. And it's like that that nod of recognition of like, this isn't the best, but we're making the best of it. Absolutely, and it, just, it, it is. It, it it really does feel nice to have that feeling. Um, you know, especially if running up that running path along the West Side Highway. I run that in the mornings when I've traveled to New York for work, and that path can get super icy. Yeah, definitely. That's for sure. I once had to run on that path. It was so bad I had to cut it back onto the main roads, um, just because I couldn't even I couldn't even run on it anymore. I needed like ice skates to get up and down. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was something else. So you connected your desire to be you know more fit and have you know more wellness centered life because you were, you know, in medical school and they were on a path to be a doctor. You kind of connected those two, right? Like I can't be a doctor if I'm unhealthy. True. So what made you want to be a doctor in the first place? Okay. So this takes me back to 2008. So I know you mentioned you saw on my Instagram feed, um, some pictures that were pretty telling of when I got into a car accident. So this, this accident took place in Trinidad and Tobago in 2008. And at that point in time, I was working a full-time job and I was going to school, finishing up my first degree because I have information technology and information systems. And I was finishing up that degree and I was working in IT for the government as well back home. 
And that particular night in June of 2008, you know, there's an expression of burning the candles at both ends. So I was working a full-time job. I was doing, finishing off my last remaining credits uh, for that first degree. As well, I was tutoring in um, as a teaching assistant at nights as well. So, you know, it was basically in retrospect. And I was driving home one night from school. I fell asleep at the wheel and I crashed my car. Fell asleep, crashed my car. Um, thank goodness that nobody else was in my car. Thank goodness I didn't hit anybody else. Um, but my car ended up in a drain. Um, the car was totaled, it was right off. Um, and coming out of that experience, I broke like four ribs. I had blunt chest trauma against the steering wheel. I broke my left ulna, which is like the one of the bones in my forearm. I broke my right femur, which is that long bone, that, that the longest bone in your body, which is a big weight-bearing bone. I broke my uh, left ankle as well, something called the medial malleolus. I, I broke that ankle as well. Um, so I was just a total wreck. Um, Coming out of that experience, I had surgery in Trinidad for my ulna. They put a metal plate, a titanium plate on my ulna, and they put a rod down in my femur, my right femur. And the fracture on my ankle, they normally leave, they leave ribs to heal by themselves unless there's like a puncture of the lung, which I didn't have, thank goodness. Um, and there is a the fracture I had on my ankle, at that point in time, they determined, the doctors determined that it didn't require uh, stabilization, so they just put it in a cast. So basically, if you, go, if you want to picture me coming out of my first set of surgeries, um, picture me with only being able to use my right hand and all the, all the um, sub-thoughts that can come out of that. I was only able to use my right hand. Everything else, I was laid up in bed. Um, however, coming out of one of my surgeries, it, it wasn't done. Now, I don't, I, don't, I don't like to speak ill of doctors um, unless it was absolutely gross neglect or something. And I would, I would leave that out of this podcast. But um, that, that surgery on my femur wasn't, wasn't um, done um, up, to, up to standard. So coming out of that surgery, I had what is known as a limb length discrepancy. So my right leg was shorter than my left by about six centimeters. Um, six centimeters? Yeah. yeah was, Holy cow. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And I had something called a rotational deformity. So when the bone finally started to heal as a malunion, um, it was externally rotated and shorter. So like if I was standing at full length on my left leg, only the tips of my toes of my right legs would be touching the ground. Right leg would be touching the ground. So it was, I ended up with like a gross deformity and I had severe, severe pain ambulating or walking was pretty difficult um it it was just an ordeal that i wouldn't wish on my worst enemy it was it was bad i was i was wheelchair bound for many months and then i i fell into like a a, a little 
patch of depression because walking was pretty, pretty difficult. Walking was really difficult. Um, the pain, the pain management isn't like a, a let's just say um, proper pain management is a bit taboo in the Caribbean still. So it's it. I had to deal with pain a lot. And then somewhere along the line, I just had this resolve to have my legs had my leg fixed and to walk properly again. So I, I started to do a lot of research. I started to look up a lot of hospitals, especially in the US, seeing that I knew my dad lived up here. And I, I started to research limb length correction and reconstructive surgery. And that whole ordeal led me to that whole drive and that whole passion to have my legs repaired and have being able to walk properly again that that led me to New York and the following year well it happened the accident happened in 2008 um, June and by October of 2008 late October of 2008 I was um, in the U.S. Um, and I my research led me to the hospital for special surgery and they have a limb lengthening unit um, um, Dr. Rosberg, he was the head of that department and he, we had a consultation and he did x-rays, he did CAT scans and he gave me such a spark of hope when he looked at me and he, um, he saw all these, um, he did his full consultation with me and he said, you know what, this is totally fixable. It's going to take some recovering from, but with therapy and with the right mindset and with everything that's, you know, that you're displaying right now, you'll be back on your feet in no time. Those were exactly the words that I wanted to hear. But, and there's a caveat, I knew nothing about the U.S. healthcare system. I knew nothing about needing insurance and stuff because healthcare is free in Trinidad. So I, I didn't know anything about needing health insurance. I didn't know about in-network coverage and out-of-network coverage. I didn't know anything about those things. So I, I just came up here with a one-tracked mind of I need to get my leg fixed. So um, it, turned into, uh, it turned into a situation of where I had no insurance. So I'm an out-of-pocket patient. <laughs> uh, little did I know what that meant until I saw some invoices in the mail for um, services required. And if I remember correctly, this was such a long time ago. This was 10 years ago. Um, but the figures were somewhere close to like almost 200,000 US. And I was like, out of pocket? Really? I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just... So, you know, all these thoughts started to rush through me again. I didn't know what to do. This didn't make sense. I, why did I even come here? Um, and so said, so done. I, I just fell back into that patch of depression again because it, it, everything seemed for one second like it, this is going to happen. And then everything just fell through because I, I didn't have $200,000. My father didn't have $200,000 and my mom didn't have $200,000. I, I even told the doctor, um, listen, I'm coming from Trinidad and I, I don't have any insurance or whatever. He waived his surgeon's fee 
but yet still everything else came up to a pretty penny and um we just didn't we just didn't have it um and and if i was to fast forward a little bit maybe a few months of trying everything known of trying to get a surgery done as a foreigner in the United States at that point in time, um, nothing seemed to be nothing seemed to be happening. And eventually, I can't remember what was the exact terminology and the exact um, law that it fell under, but at that particular point in time, in February of the following year, sorry, March of the following year, this would be two thousand and nine. Because I was in the country for a particular amount of time and I was living with my father, I was able to fall under his insurance. And after I was placed under his insurance, it was just a matter of finding an in-network orthopedic provider who would be willing to do such a surgery. And this led me to NYU Hospital for Joint Disease which was in network, which is top at that point in time, they were in the top 10 of orthopedic um, procedures in the United orthopedic hospitals in the United States. And I was like, Hey, this, this is, this is, this sounds good. And I went and I met with a, a doctor by the name of Dr. Davidovich and same sort of, same sort of procedure again, consultation, x-rays, CAT scan, measurements, everything and they came up with a comprehensive plan and at the end of that plan they said you know what all of this is covered and this is going to be your copy i'm like hallelujah and that just led from one thing to the next i got reconstructive surgeries done i got therapy done i got pain management done i got um I got the I got the works done at a fraction of the cost out of pocket, and um, that entire experience, that outpouring of of professionalism that I received from both hospitals for special surgery and from NYU, from all the staff members, doctors, nurses, therapists, um, all the ancillary staff that I've interacted with, radiologists, X-ray techs, everybody. Um, that sort of refocused and refueled my passion to be a part of this system. And that led me into medicine. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That, I mean, what, what a change, right? Do you go from like, Hey, 200,000 to like, yeah, just the copay. I yeah. Mean, what, <laughs> what a miracle that must've been. I know. Like, Total. That, that, that's, that's the exact word for it. A miracle. Well, that's wonderful. Now, do you, can you feel the difference in your legs now, even, you know, nine years later? Um, definitely. I, um, now no surgery is perfect. So I still have a slight limb length discrepancy, but like millimeters, not, not centimeters. And, um, (laughs) coming out of that, um, people, people, you, you usually hear, or I've usually hear people say that when you have titanium implants, um, especially when the weather is cold, you tend to like really cold. You tend to feel, you tend to feel it. 
I've experienced that and I, I'm wondering if it was a mind over matter thing when I've never really researched the science behind it. But like when, when it's usually freezing temperatures in New York here, yeah, I, I usually feel um some pain in my femur and in my ulna where I have the implants. So I feel it like that. Um in terms of now that I've got gotten into running, um my hip where I had that surgery, the femur, because it was the it was the top part of the femur, proximal end of the femur. I tend to feel it sometimes, not o- not often, and within recent times, as I've, as my mileage has increased, that same ankle that I fractured that I've recently went to see somebody for, as recent as last week Thursday, I was at the hospital uh, at an orthopedic surgeon. Um, or an ankle specialist, basically, to to see what's going on with my ankle. So I, I only feel pain, really, in my ankle. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Wow. So does it affect performance at all, or is it just pain? I think it affects performance in terms of the pain limits my my distance. So... I am yet to run more than 17 miles. So I've been working my way up slowly, slowly, slowly. That's a lot considering when you started. I know. I know. I know. I know. And I've gotten as far as 16 16 miles. And that was about two weeks ago. Um, So I'm I'm working my way up slowly to 20 because ultimately I, I... I want to run a marathon, um, I, but I want to take the necessary steps to get there. Knowing where I've come from in terms of injury-wise, I don't want to just like try to go all out and run 26 just like that. You know, um, I want to w- work my way up and strengthen my body in every way I can, so that when it when that time comes and I. My, I have to put my my body under that um, strenuous. I would have done some preparation so that my body can take some of that brunt of the force. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Now, I want to switch to switch topics here a little bit. Sure. So you have you've come for, you've come such a far away, physically, right? Two thousand eight. You basically, like you said, you only had one working appendage in 2008. You know, they were all, all casted up. You were sitting there. All you could use is your right arm. Correct. And then 2017, you weighed 275 pounds, and you cut it all the way down to 175. Your first race, you break 21 minutes. I just saw you had a long run the other day. You were, like, under seven minutes for a long run from a pace perspective. It seems like this has just been an unbelievable uh, progression from where you were to where you are now. So I guess this is a two-part question. What do you think you are capable of doing? And what do you think anybody is capable of doing from a physical perspective? No, I know, I know exactly how I want to answer that question. Um so I'll go right ahead and answer how I want to answer that question. In terms of what I think I'm physically capable of doing, I think I could 
achieve exactly what I put my mind to. It might not be within the time frame that I might want to achieve it, but it's going to happen. Um, and that exact that that whole discussion we had earlier um, speaks to that. Um, when I came up to the US, I thought I was going to have my surgery right away, but I put my mind to it. Even though I fell into like a little bit of a funk and I was like depressed and whatever, I still held on to the notion that I'm going to get my leg fixed. And and we and I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried and eventually it happened. You know, um, when I started this weight loss journey, I felt as if it was impossible because this is not the first time I tried to lose weight. Um, this could easily be the fifth weight loss journey that I've embarked on. Just that this time it stuck. This time I stuck to it and it worked. Um, and in terms of in terms of my physical performance and my physical achievements, um, I remember. I remember after after finishing my race, um, and I posted it online. And there are a lot of people who were really congratulatory and and excited for me as well because a, a number of people follow my um, f- fitness journey. And they reach out to me and say, you know what? It's so inspirational. Thanks for the inspiration. Thanks for the motivation. And some people even ask me, you know, what did you do? How did you start? What did you eat? Um, How? And a bunch of questions. And I'm always willing to share that information because I know how difficult it is sometimes to start and then how um, difficult it is to maintain and now that I'm in the maintenance phase of this journey, I want to be able to impart and dispense any knowledge and any help that I can for anybody who is in that place. So what I can achieve physically, I think, I think within the next year, I'm going to run a sub 25K. I know at the end of this year, I have a 10 mile race coming up. And I have a half marathon coming up. And I think that within the next 12 months, I'll be able to run a marathon. What is my message to anybody in terms of what they can achieve? I think that the hardest part of achieving a fitness goal, a weight loss goal, any goal is starting. That's one of the hardest parts. And then the next hard part is maintaining. I think it's doable. I think it's achievable. You need to surround yourself with people who would boost you and empower you and lift you up. Um, interestingly enough, one of the persons who first introduced me to running was my girlfriend. She she used to run for Cornell. Uh, when she used to go there, she used to do cross country with Cornell. She doesn't really run anymore, but she was like, you know, in terms of losing weight, one of the biggest calorie burners um is running and i i used to research stuff that would what burns the most calories and i would see things like um rowing and kettlebell swings and whatever but yeah but good luck good luck doing 60 minutes of kettlebells that's my point that's exactly (laughs) that's exactly my point it's like 
but you can't do 60 minutes. That that doesn't make sense. <laughs> or sit 60 minutes on a rowing machine in the gym. And, and yeah, you're going to burn 1,200 calories. But, but realistically, who does that for 60 minutes? So she introduced me to running. She said she was one of the first persons who said, why not run? And initially, I was like opposed to the idea. I was like, nah, I don't, ah, I don't like running. I don't want to run. Running hurts my joints. I'm, I'm too big to run. Could you see me running? Nah. And now I run every day. So um, I'll achieve what I set my mind to. And I, I'll, I'll encourage anybody listening that, listen, once you start, once you get, once you get the, ball, the ball rolling and you pick it up, um, surround yourself with people who will lift you up and encourage you. And, and do like me and, and scroll through Instagram and, and find that, motiva- that motivation. I remember when I ran, when I posted the picture of, of me finishing my 5K, one of the guys I follow on Instagram, um, and you did an interview with him. I think it was episode twenty-seven because I've been I've been binging off of your um, your podcast recently. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, episode twenty-seven. I think it was 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 uh, Patrick Cutter, yes. and he commented under my um, my post, and I was like so excited. I was like, "Yo, Patrick commented under my my stuff." I'm like, and his message was. His message was along the lines of just stick with it, you know. In the beginning, you don't want to, you don't want to worry about time. You don't want to worry about running a sub, a sub ninety minute or a sub one twenty, um, half marathon. Just finishing your first half marathon will be satisfaction enough. Just finishing your first marathon will be satisfaction enough. Just finishing my first five k was satisfaction enough. Things like times and PRs and increasing speed and increasing strength, those things will come. But you need to get to that initial point first and crossing that initial hurdle. I think I've done that with my 5K. I have the Bronx 10 mile coming up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run that. I have the Southern Island half marathon coming up. And who knows? I, I don't know which marathon I'll eventually run, but I definitely want to and will. I love it. Now you started your running journey on the treadmill. So you started in, in, in an isolation mode. Yeah. In your, in your, in your, your walking and your running. So did you convert that as you started progressing more outside and getting more comfortable with running and running longer distances? Did you start picking up running buddies or a running group or anything along those lines? I'll be honest. No, I have not. And I, it's something that I've, uh, is something that is on my list of things to do as a goal. Um, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean. A lot of the groups that I follow on, well, primarily I only followed one running group on Instagram. I follow a lot of individual runners, but on Instagram, there's a group in Harlem called Harlem Run, um, created by a girl named Allison. Um, and a phenomenal group, really uh, come, you know, a lot of camaraderie, brotherhood, sisterhood of runners. Um, so motivational. Um, I would only, I, w- I only followed them initially, and then at that five k that I ran a few weeks ago, there were so many different groups, a lot of individual runners, but there were um, there were many different groups represented there. So I saw things like North Brooklyn 
North Brooklyn Runners, Brooklyn Bridge Runners, Black Men Run NYC, um, Teamwork, Prospect Park, Track Club, you name it, there were a bunch of different groups. And the the level and spirit of togetherness that everybody just, everybody was just on this runner's high. It wasn't like about a competition. There were like so many people who just didn't even come out to run, but was just there at the finish line or at mile two or at mile one, just cheering so hard. And I was like, is this, this is me running past. And I'm like, I'm like breathing hard. I'm like, full pace running and people are cheering me on who I don't even know. And I'm like, is this what's this up? Is this what it's about? Is this how, how people celebrate each other's accomplishments in running? I'm like, this is so encouraging. It, 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 you know, my heart welled up. Like I was like, wow, this is something that I really want to be a part of on a continual basis. Now I know I know life happens and you get busy and you have work and you have a family and whatever. But as much as I'm available to be a part of something like this, I wanna I wanna find a, a running group and be a part of it. I hear you. Well, I'm gonna run with you, Ken. That's for sure. I travel to New York all the time for work, and me and you got to get together. Definitely. Uh, when you're when you're not busy working in the hospitals and, and working the graveyard shift like you're doing tomorrow night. Um, yeah, you're right. There are there are so many running groups in urban areas, and it's so it's so interesting because it's so much different. Like I live in a very suburban area, and the running groups are very spread out, right? Like you have people from like different towns will all be in different groups. Like I could live, you know, forty minutes away from somebody who'd be in the same running group, right? You know, whereas like I feel like in a in an urban area, it's much more localized than it is in the suburban area, which is almost, which, which is kind of like a better situation, right? You, you have people from your community as opposed to just people from, Hey, you know, I, I, I too can drive to that track every once in a while. Right. So, so that, that is really interesting. So um, with that being said, I'm excited to get into the last few questions like I do in every episode. So when you go out for your runs, whether it's outside or on the treadmill, do you wear headphones or no headphones? Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that as well too. I, I don't I usually at, at the beginning I always had headphones. But um now I've been trying to I started reading a book, um, The Running Formula by Jack Daniels. And um I try to keep my cadence sorry, not my cadence, well yes, my step count um just above hundred and eighty steps per minute. And it's hard to find a good playlist that that meets that requirement. Um, I use Spotify. Um, Spotify has one, one playlist that's 180 steps per minute, but I, I don't really like all these songs, and I don't really like to be trying to skip songs while I'm running. Um, <laughs> right, right. So I, I, I just stop with the music. I don't run with music anymore. So you should listen to a podcast and turn to like three times the normal speed. Yeah. So the people are just like, you know, talking super duper fast. Yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Some people actually listen to them like that. I can't do it, but it's a, uh, it's an interesting method. Yeah. I'm a, I did the same thing. I converted the way I ran. Shoot. This might've been eight or nine years ago when born to run came out, I went from heel striking to kind of midfoot forefoot striking. Right. And I took it very slow. Like, just like you did, like your approach to running was very smart. You know, how you basically took eight months of walking before you started running and you kind of like 
basically inoculated yourself from getting injured just the way your approach was. And I kind of did the same when I transitioned to four foot running. Mm-hmm. I did it really slow. And now I'm around, around 175, 180. Um, but yeah, it, it does take a while. But once you get in the habit, um, it just kind of becomes a little more natural. And it's almost like one of those things where the slower you go, sometimes the slower your cadence. Yeah. Whereas like if I run faster, my cadence will pick up a little bit and actually my form will improve right. as opposed to like my easier runs, which are better for my legs, but sometimes my form gets a little sloppy. I understand. Yeah. So, all right. So you don't listen to headphones. So I'm going to skip the second question, go right to the third one. What advice do you give others that you have trouble following? Oh, if anything, this would be, um, stretching and foam rolling. I, I I give that advice to everybody who starts um who starts on the treadmill with their weight loss journey. I'm like stretch, 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 foam roll, foam roll, foam roll. You wanna get those knots out of those muscles and you wanna you know, you wanna warm the muscles up and you, you wanna prevent injury by foam rolling and stretching and and I, I don't do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I have I have to I have a confession. I, I never foam roll ever. I have the stick I use I think I've used it twice in the last nine months. Right. I'm I'm looking at a foam roll in my room right now. It's <laughs> it's basically brand new. There you go. It's a pillow. Yeah. You just use it as a pillow now. <laughs> all right. So if you could run so you've only you haven't run many races, so I don't know what you're gonna say here, but if you could run one more race the rest of your life but you could run it every year, what race would it be? Oh, man. I I don't know how to answer that question because... Um, yeah, it's a little unfair. You haven't done many races. Right, have... we'll, we'll, we'll skip to the next one. I think this now you'll have like a bunch of different ones to choose from. So the next question is, what is the race you most want to do? What's your bucket list race? My bucket list race... Um... All right, so so because I'm from Trinidad and because I've I've actually never run back home, um, I want to be able to run the Trinidad and Tobago Marathon because our island isn't that big. Um, the distance for the marathon is very interesting. That the mar- when you run a marathon, there's you consider Trinidad like North and South Trinidad. And basically when you run the marathon, you're running from South Trinidad to North Trinidad. It's it's like, it's, it's, hmm, how should I explain it? It's a run up the Eastern side of Trinidad. Uh, sorry, the Western side of Trinidad. And it, it looks, if you watch it on a, a, a map, like a, a, a GPS map, it looks like you've almost run the entire western side of Trinidad. It looks pretty cool when you see that uh, that outline of how far you've run. I want to run the, the, the International Trinidad Marathon. Um, after that, I think my goal would be to obviously run the New York City Marathon. I, I really... I've, I've watched it for two years now. When I say two years now, I've watched the 2016 and the 2017 on recordings online. I didn't watch it when it actually happened. Um, and I was like, wow, this, this seems like a pretty intense marathon. 
and maybe the Chicago Marathon. I, I don't have that. I don't have like huge goals, but in, I eventually think I may want to run like the um, the World Majors. Who knows? That's just putting it out there. I don't know. God, it sounds like you have huge goals, yeah. but you just can't narrow them down. Nah, can't narrow them down. <laughs> but but all right, let's. If you want to narrow it down and and start small, Trinidad and Tobago Marathon. I want to run home. I love it. Yeah. That sounds great. All right, last one. Before we get into it, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. This has been so interesting. I really appreciate it. You've mentioned your Instagram account several times on this show. What is uh, what is your handle if someone wants to follow you? And I'll make sure it goes in the show notes as well. Oh, sure. Not a problem. Thank you, Matt, for having me as well. It was a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for delving and having me recall my past experiences. Listen, after talking about them with you, I, I feel even more motivated now to just share and encourage with others and even just continue my journey. Uh, my Instagram handle is Ken, K-E-N, 868. 868 is actually the area code for Trinidad and Tobago. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm true to my home roots. So Ken868 is my Instagram handle. I love it. See, sometimes you see the numbers on the back and they're just random digits, but I like the, uh, I like the symbolism. All right, last question. Who is your dream running partner? My dream running partner. Uh, if I had to run with anybody, I, I would want to run with Patrick Cutter. <laughs> Whoa, Patrick Cutter. <laughs> yeah. All right. See, you guys, you guys would be the strongest running duo around. He's he's a very strong man. You are a very strong man. Yeah, yeah. So but, between the two of you, you guys could run some miles and then throw some weight around. I, definitely. I, I remember him talking about he used to get some comments about his biceps and things. And, and I, I've got I've gotten those comments running outside as well. So you know, we we could be a strong duo. I just need to um, pick up my pace a little bit. There you go. You guys, you guys could, could also wreck the obstacle course race circuit as well. I think <laughs> definitely. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Ken. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Matt. Thank you, Ken, for coming on the Rambling Runner podcast. This was an absolute treat. Um, the one thing I always know when I get a chance to talk to a doctor is that they are going to be a lot more intelligent than I. And I'm glad that we were able to continue that streak. Man, you are, it's, it's just so much fun for me to talk to individuals who I, can, who I feel like have so much life experience and who are just so well-versed in so many different areas. So someone like Ken, uh, you know, I feel like the pleasure is all mine to talk to someone um, like him. So thank you, Ken, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And thank you, listener, for listening all the way to the end and getting to the outro. I really appreciate it. And thank you to Mercury Mile for sponsoring the show. MercuryMile.com. Use Rambling Runner 10 as the promo code. And you will not be disappointed. That's for sure. So... With all that being said, thank you so much for liking the show, for rating and reviewing it wherever possible, and for sharing it with your friends. That's the best thing you can do for the show um, is to share it with friends of yours and let them know if you like it, then maybe, shoot, maybe they will too. So with all of that being said, thank you so much for listening and happy running.